Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the Harper DB team. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Select Star Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. I know we're getting towards the end of the year here, so I'm glad that we're able to fit in a couple more awesome um, speakers to be on. So today we're speaking with Anise Davis. Um, thank you so much for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes. And I, I think I originally had connected with you um, or saw your name because you're speaking at a couple conferences. I think it was the Render ATL lineup that I saw you on. And oh, then, yeah. <laughs> and then um, I know we were just chatting. You have a, another talk actually later today. So it sounds like you're you're pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, conference speaking is just one of those things I really enjoy. I love getting out there and meeting different people in the tech community. So it's a great way to just like grow my network um, and meet a lot of interesting folks. Awesome. Um, yeah, and so I guess before we jump into a couple more specific topics for today, would love to hear just sort of a, a background on who you are and, and what your journey in tech has been and kind of how you got to where you are today. Uh, sure. So <laughs> right now, um, I work as VP of Engineering at Meetup. Uh, Meetup has been around for over 20 years, helping people to connect around shared interests and identities. Um, I really enjoy the work that I do there. A bit about what led me to this uh, place, this point in life. Um, as a young person, I was really torn between um, like more tech things and uh, like writing and poetry. Okay. And I remember <laughs> I used to, I was kind of always like either writing or, you know, doing some like math, sciencey things. And I had a math teacher who was just like, no, that math, numbers, science, that's your thing. You should go for it. And I remember um, playing these video game at school, number munchers and Oregon Trail. And my teacher told me, hey, if you want to do stuff like this when you grow up, you have to be a programmer. <laughs> and so that was it. <laughs> <laughs> they must have been very influential. <laughs> you just never questioned yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, it's so fascinating to me how much power teachers have um, on society, yet how unbelievably underpaid they are. That, that <laughs> uh, is true. <laughs> uh, so yeah, more more on that later. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so ever since that point, I really um, spent a lot of my focus just like on science, technology, math, etc. Um, I ended up going to a science and technology high school. Um, I studied computer engineering in college, and I ended up um, working um, in technology. I got my start at Lockheed Martin um, as help desk, and then ever since then, I've I've been um, in the tech industry. Okay, that's great. And so, um, I know you said currently vice president of engineering at Meetup. And before we kind of jump into some of the different activities you're doing with the community and, and speaking and um, instructing specifically at Meetup, is there, are you able to share like a little bit about what you work on there? Are you leading a team like within a certain department or what are you focused on now? Yeah, of course. Um, so right now I am leading a team, a business unit. This is around our member subscription product that we just launched a year ago to help people find friends. 
this was really new and challenging for me. I've done a lot of software development over the past 20 years, but this was the first time that I've been accountable for like a business vertical and had to learn about EBITDA and CAC and all these other um, finance and accounting terms that I knew nothing about. Uh, so that's been very fascinating, albeit somewhat boring uh, <laughs> to learn. <laughs> to learn about those things, but it's been amazing to help build something from scratch. Um, and, and I believe it has a huge future and opportunity at Meetup. Mm -hmm. uh, besides that, I do my VP of engineering responsibilities, more traditional things like helping with production incidents, making sure we're compliant, handling different contracts. Uh, participating in reducing hosting costs like so many other engineering leaders these days. Hmm. Uh, so that part of my job hasn't gone away. It's just less of my day to day. Okay. Interesting. Well, yeah, sounds like you have a, a lot of different things on your plate. So as you said, even if some of the things you have to learn are a little bit less exciting, <laughs> at least your day to day is probably involved in a lot of different things. And so it doesn't get too mundane. <laughs> no, it's definitely um, something different every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I love about working at a small company, but I, it's interesting because more and more people I talk to, you know, allude to the fact that like, sometimes you can still work on a small team or within a small department and still be, have that effect of like wearing lots of different hats and learning all different things and mm -hmm. um, not being just pigeonholed into one area. And it's, it's cool to see that really in tech um, happening a lot where there's this cross functionality between different teams. Um, yeah. and that way probably makes it easier for people to transition if they want to, which I know is something that you mm -hmm. help folks with. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, I, I saw that, I think the talk you're doing later today and something that you've, you've written about and talked about is helping folks in the tech industry, either excel within their current careers or get into tech or, or yes. make a change. Um, so without giving away all the secrets, I'd be curious <laughs> of what some of your like high level sort of tips are in that space or some of the biggest mistakes that you see, um, things like that. I'll say, okay, so this, I love this question. And one thing is people try to build their network when it's too late. So I, I'm a strong believer in build your network before you need it. It's okay. like they're out of work and now all of a sudden they're like trying to network and like make connections. And it's like, no, you need to do that when you're perfectly content and fine in your job. That's when you really need to be building your network because you need to build it before you need it. So that's something that you can rely on and reach out to, even if it seems like, hmm, are we heading for layoffs or does it seem like this business unit is going somewhere I'm not interested in? Let me tap into my network and just start some conversations. Um, so that is like one mistake I see people making time and time again is neglecting the building of their network before they need it. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. Um, and it's probably something that for some people, if they don't have those really outgoing traits or, you know, if they don't come from like a business development background where you're really social and like constantly going to events that maybe that can seem really daunting in a way, but I'm sure there's different ways to do that and to kind of like keep connections you've made over the years. And even if it's just like sending someone a quick email, like 
hope you're doing well or, or whatever. It doesn't have to be that you're like constantly out and about seeing these people face to face. There's probably different ways to do it. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. There's so many techniques that I use. I know um, it's ironic because I really do enjoy speaking at conferences and meeting people, but I'm an introvert. <laughs> I, I, I recharge when I'm alone. I love my alone time. I love to think in process on my own by myself. Okay. Uh, so these kind of events are extremely draining for me. And I, and I even am shy to some degree when I show up at a conference. Mm -hmm. So one thing is like I play a game with myself. I'll pick a color. Let's say my favorite color is red. And I'll say, everyone who's wearing red at the conference, I'm going to try to say hi to them and introduce myself. Okay. That makes it a game for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's also like takes away some of the fear. Right. And you never know, like you never know. Or I'll say like, by the end of this conference, I want to have three more LinkedIn connections. Right. Like that really value, like I can bring value to their network and they can bring value to my network. Right. So those kind of things where you're gamifying it, <laughs> I think takes a bit of the pressure off and you don't have to be a super extrovert in order to build your network. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, I love just saying like, hey, read this article, made me think of you. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to do. It doesn't take a lot of effort. I'm always reading something. Most of us are reading something. There's yeah. something in your network that comes to mind that you could just shoot it over to them. And that's how you can kind of foster those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and, you know, that's a great tip for being at conferences. I think, um, something we sometimes forget is that everyone's in the same boat. And so mm -hmm. like, even if you feel like you're bugging someone or, or annoying them or they don't want to talk, like they wouldn't be at the conference if they weren't there to oh, also please. be chatting with people and meeting yes. people and, even if it's not the topic that they want to be talking about or like not an area that they specialize in or whatever it may be, or if like they're trying to sell you something, like you can still get to the bottom of all of that and just kind of mm -hmm. initiating that conversation. I think the other people more often than not would be really thankful as yes. well. So I think that's like an important thing to remember because I've been at some huge ones. Like we went to the Web Summit Conference a year ago, which was massive. And at times it was so overwhelming and felt like being at like Disneyland or something because there were just so many people in so many wow. places. But I found this like cafe corner where it was quiet and like people were sitting down and relaxing and maybe catching up on emails. And I was like, okay, this is a good place to start. Like just sit down next to someone, get the conversation going, and, like, see what Absolutely. happens. Absolutely. Yes. I, I love that. Um, and then I'll say the other thing that like kind of going back to the, the original question around other opportunities for people. The other thing is tying the work that you do to business impact. Mm -hmm. When I'm constantly helping people with their resumes and especially for tech people, they tend to just state what they did. Like I migrated this system, I implemented this. And what's really important is what was the business impact of, of that activity and right. how did you do it? Was it something clever or unique or cost efficient or whatever it is about the way that you implemented it? Plenty of people can implement things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that doesn't help set you apart from other engineers. What would set you apart is if you did said technical activity by taking advantage of an up and coming Let's throw the word out there, AI technology, 
and you helped open up a new multi-million dollar line of business for your company. That's incredible, that's impressive, but that was the result of your work of implementing something. Mm-hmm. And most engineers, especially, they leave it at that. Right, yeah, <laughs> that, that makes sense, especially if you are working on the software or like the tech side of things that you might feel like you're very early in the pipeline of how that led to said mm-hmm. opportunity or new customer or expansion. But even if what you did was one part of it and there were many other people involved in other moving parts, like you can still say yes, what that led to. And like, this is why we worked on that. And this is, this supported this many customers. So I, I'm sure that some people maybe are worried to like claim too much that, mm-hmm. you know, that what they did was too much. But I think that is really important to be able to see both sides of it of like, why are we doing what we're doing? And why do we spend all day fixing this or doing this the ultimate end goal for the company it's not just like businesses want to pay us to have fun and code yeah it's it's always something you know business outcome it's almost always something related to money so just like you really have to think about it and how is the work that you're doing contributing directly to a business outcome Mm -hmm. um i i used to do a lot of um, work on apps and i could say my work i addressed whatever let's say 75 percent of the high priority bugs directly leading to a 52 percent increase in our app store rating like that's incredible like oh wow you know that's something that business people will understand what did you do you fixed bugs yeah (laughs) yeah that is what you did that is important that's great but it, it's you did it for a reason to achieve yeah. business outcome so yeah. like kind of always saying to yourself why are they have me doing this anyway if maybe you're not sure ask someone why yeah. is it we're focused on doing this oh <laughs> this ties back to our EBITDA goals for the year whatever yeah. you know just there's always there's all there should always be a reason why yeah. people are doing what they're doing Yeah, exactly. And it seems like that's a good thing to just sort of keep track of, as you said, even if you're not looking for new opportunities, like when, even when you're in a good place, just keep track of that somewhere, some list of like your KPIs and your achievements so that you're not like scrambling, going back, trying to think back a year, five years of, yeah, of everything you did. And then having to go ask someone like, why did we do that thing four years ago? Like, it's probably good to just a couple of times a year kind of think about your achievements and what are you proud of and sync with your team on if, as you said, if you're not sure why you did something like those are great questions to ask. Yeah, I was in the habit at one point at the end of every month, I would do a mini retrospective with myself. Like, okay, what are the top things I achieved that I'm proud of? How was my life? Was it balanced? Was I spending time with my family and my friends? Was I balanced financially, etc.? And that really helped me because when it comes time for me to do these reviews or performance cycles. I already had the list of 10 things I was super proud of every month. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, let me go back. Let's look at my <laughs> list. Oh yeah, I did do this. Oh, I did do that. Yeah. Um, and and I, I just think the process is helpful even to reflect back and say like, okay, what was I hoping to achieve this month? And did I do it? If not, what got in my way? What can I do better next time to like overcome these obstacles? And it's not only about work. There's so many other things. Like I might say, I want to make sure I write one card to a friend every week. Okay, how many cards did I actually write and mail out? Okay, what stood in my way? You know, those kind of things where you just want to be a a well-rounded person. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I think those are, those are great reminders. And I just, it, it kind of all comes back to what your first tip was of just make sure that you're setting yourself up for success at times when you're not needing it and when you're doing well, so that you're not like scrambling when yes. the time comes. Cause I mean, I all have people reaching out to me on LinkedIn that like, I don't think I've ever even met. I mean, obviously we all have tons of connections with people we haven't actually met and they'll, yes. they'll be like, I'm looking for a role if you know of anything. And I always like, my heart goes out to those people because I'm like, you must be just kind of blasting like your whole network. And, and I'm sure I would do the same thing if I was in that position. And I know that there's so many layoffs happening right now, but, but yeah, right. if you can at least have like five really solid connections and then maybe like 10 really solid things that you achieved and like stats and things like that, you're already just going to be ahead of the curve when that time comes. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, um, on, so on top of, I guess, doing these sort of community talks that you do, and it sounds like you maybe mentor some people and, and are helping, as you said, you're looking at resumes all the time. I saw that you're also a LinkedIn instructor. Yeah. Um, I know LinkedIn has different courses and like certifications that they offer. So I was just curious, is that in the same realm where like you've built courses that people can take related to these topics or is it like engineering topics or... Yeah, it's, I've actually been um, creating courses for LinkedIn learning for a while now. Okay. And I'm, at this point, I think I have about 11 courses. Oh, cool. Um, and most of them, I would say, like, are related to either Android development, um, technical communication, or just the fundamentals of programming and software development. Okay. A lot of people want to get into the software industry, and they know the word code. Um, and they picture, you know, like in the movies, clack, 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 you know, like we're, we're hackers, we're all, you know, yeah. all ones and zeros. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's just, you know, obviously that's not reality. So like, what is it though? What, like, how do you, pro what is software development in the first place? What is code? How would someone go about writing code? Um, so I have I have a few courses to just kind of like break down the basics of software development and programming. That's, that's awesome. Sorry, my dog is barking. There must be someone at my door. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got three dogs. Oh, really? <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's awesome. I three. That's a, that sounds like a lot. They must be really well behaved. <laughs> um. Hmm, no. <laughs> at times. <laughs> right. Um but anyway, sorry for that interruption. But yeah, that's that's really interesting. So when it comes to when you first got started with building out these courses, how does it work? Like are you um is it just kind of like can you get side revenue from this based on people paying to enroll in these or is like meetup yes. sponsoring these or how? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So this is separate. <laughs> this is a separate revenue stream from meetup. Yeah. Um, so you get residual income. Okay. It's based on the views of your course so every month they'll just like cut you a check based oh, cool. on like views of your course um you get some percentage of the overall like linkedin learning subscription revenue and the process of building a course can be somewhat stressful since i i still have a full-time job yeah. there are a lot, of, a lot of instructors like that's what they do or they do consulting okay um, on the side to supplement their income um, so it's mostly just kind of like nights, weekends for a few months, creating curriculum, yeah. working through scripts, creating slide decks, and then, then I record it. Okay. That's really cool. And so it sounds like it's something that 
really anyone could get into it. You know, if you feel like you've become proficient on some sort of topic, or even if you're oh. learning as you go and want to like create a course around it as you go. And um, yeah. it's kind of like, if you have the time, why not try it? Cause it's, I mean, what's the worst thing that happens? <laughs> so, yeah. And it can be really lucrative. And I think I've put at least three of my friends onto it already, oh, cool. um, creating courses for them as well. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to gatekeep. I think is great. I, I love the fact that um, people can have multiple streams of income. I think it gives you more flexibility in your career and how you approach it. And just like even your confidence um, at your main job, we'll call it, um, because you know you you have flexibility, you have options. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I love that for everyone else. I love it for myself, um, and I think that's a great thing to do. Yeah, well, that's great. I'll be sure to um, include some links to a couple of those too in the show notes in case anyone wants to check it out. Cause I know when you're on the side of actually taking the courses too, that it can be pretty self-paced and mm -hmm. kind of like a low commitment, just way to improve certain skills. Um, so it's, it's cool yeah. to see another platform where that's happening. And I, I think a lot of that over the last couple of years has really been booming and, and you can see the effects of that and that <laughs> folks love to have that like flexibility to do it from wherever they want. Right. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. And so, um, just pivoting a little bit, the next topic I was going to ask about was something else that I saw, I think you were speaking about or attended a conference around, um, was a, about GraphQL. I saw that oh, I think yeah. you did talk around like some of the things that you, you've learned with implementing GraphQL in production and like pros and cons around that. I just thought that stuck out to me because that's something that we've been hearing about more and more for quite a while. And our HarperDB users have been like requesting more GraphQL functionality. And I just, I've seen that it's really gaining popularity. We actually implemented some new functionality with our last release. And, and so mm -hmm. I, I think it's probably like a hot topic and good time to be, <laughs> to be focusing yeah. on that. So I was curious, um, you know, and if folks listening maybe aren't familiar, like a high level overview on what GraphQL is, but just, I was curious, like what some of your learnings were of pros and cons and, and implementing and tips around that. Yeah, um, that's a great question. So first it was GraphQL Conf. I just have to say it was amazing, really well done. I've been to a ton of conferences and they just nailed it. <laughs> oh, awesome. Great to know. <laughs> um, definitely will go again. And what my talk was just highlighting over the past three years, Meetup's journey from strictly REST APIs towards almost predominantly GraphQL okay. and what that has looked like for us and sort of the, the challenges and lessons learned along the way. And a few things that I, that really stood out to me was people understand how REST works. They understand the caching, they understand this thing over HTTP, I get this, this payload, boom like it's very it's very clear mm -hmm. and it's a known thing i feel that with graphql there was more nuance and there was no one person in the company who understood how all of it was connected specifically okay. I'll give you just like a really concrete example um let's say i would like um all the information about an event happening tomorrow 
on a REST API, it might, it might hit this uh, get request slash event slash ID, and it gives me all this data about the event. <laughs> Even if maybe on my web page, I'm not showing all of the data, but hey, I'll just take out the bits and pieces that I want from the JSON, and then I'll display it. GraphQL is slightly different. GraphQL is saying, hey, I want this data about a particular event. Now GraphQL says, great, give me that. Now I'm gonna go off and one by one, I'll see where this data is available. So you want the title and description? Okay, that's available here. Um, you want a link to the attendees? Okay, that data is available here. Then it puts it together for you and sends back exactly what you asked for. Okay. And so the nuance comes in when, if you don't implement this properly, <laughs> you can go from one request, give me data, get data back to five to 10 requests, oh. out grabbing these different pieces of data right. and then bring it back to the user. So that was something where we, we fell into a trap with our architecture because people, I'll say myself included, didn't fully understand what was happening until we started investing more and more in GraphQL. And everyone's like, why is this thing getting so expensive? <laughs> <laughs> and so finally, it's like, whoa, that's what we're doing with our architecture. This is not how it was, and this is not GraphQL's fault. This is an architectural um, mistake, is, is what I will call it. Right. And so just kind of um, understanding when you're embracing these different technologies that are fairly nascent, um, you really want to make sure you have like your observability in place. You want to understand, well, why did the price of our hosting costs go from this price to this price? Oh, look, it's increasing steadily over the past few weeks. We should investigate. So that's for me, that was like the main takeaway that you want to have eyes on the whole system, not yep. just the one part, and you want to be able to have some sort of like um, tracing observability in place and like actual monitoring of your cost so that you could catch these types of mistakes early. Okay. Yeah, that's all really interesting. And I like the fact that you kind of built this talk based off of very recent personal experience and findings of what you, what you guys went through at meetup because i think that's like the most relative way to sort of present and for people to probably be able to relate to what you're saying and it's one of those scenarios like with anything where you want to try to stay ahead and be proactive and be understanding what's happening along the way as opposed to like looking back and trying to make changes or trying to fix right. things or trying to backtrack and see like, wait, well, what do we do here? Which of course happens to everyone at some point or another, but yeah. I think like as proactive as you can be and really looking at those decisions. And as you said, like every couple of weeks, just really assessing is like the best way to stay ahead of any types of changes that are happening to the tech stack. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and like you mentioned this as well, a lot of companies are like tightening the belt, right? Mm -hmm. They they want to do more with less. They want higher ROIs. They want higher EBITDA. They want they want to stem profit loss. So you're gonna have like as, a, as an engineering person, maybe even an engineering leadership position, you're gonna have more and more of these conversations about cost, cost efficiency, the mm. software, et cetera. So it's good to have some things in place to be able to understand um, the actual cost of your system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's again, that's probably another part of, as you were saying, when someone hears the word coding and thinks about getting into software engineering, you probably don't think like, oh, well, I'm going to need to do cost analysis and understand right. like, 
how to analyze infrastructure spend and be able to do the math to really understand like what effect this change is going to have, but that kind of all comes with it. And it's, it's back to that, a topic that a lot of people I have on the podcast talk about being a big challenge is just like having that cross team functionality and transparency across different departments. Cause if you think what you're doing is not related, it ultimately certainly is. <laughs> it is. It always is. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. That's a great point. It all, it's all connected. Yeah. It's one, one bottom line. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. Then the challenge comes of like, what's the best way to communicate that and get everyone on the same page. And, and it, I always love hearing about how different companies kind of do that. And like, whether it's like quarterly check-ins with all hands on deck or whatever it might be to just kind of make sure everyone understands like, what are we doing now? What's our goal for the next few months and how are we all getting there? So yeah, that all makes sense. <laughs> exactly. And Meetup is so tiny. I know a lot of people think of Meetup and they think it's like this big tech company. I think there's like 80 people. Oh, cool. <laughs> We're so small. We're so <laughs> small. So it's a bit easier to, you know, work in between departments and get alignment, but also one of our values is trust and transparency. So we we tend to be like a very transparent company, very transparent about how things are going with our employees. And um, I think that definitely helps us to make sure that people are staying aligned and focused on the goals that we set each quarter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And that um, that's funny you say that about people assuming it's huge. I, that's probably because there's such a big community and like such a far reach and kind of that brand recognition. I'm sure most people listening have attended at least one meetup if, if I hope not so. more <laughs> at some point. And so that's, that's really interesting when you hear about like what the team behind all that infrastructure is and how that's being supported. And, um, I'm sure a lot of it is like community supporting each other as well and, and things like that, which is always uh, a great thing to see. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, I know we're kind of coming up on time here. One last thing that I always love to ask people um, on the show, especially because there's obviously so many things changing and happening and hot topics and buzzwords in tech all the time. So I always love to ask folks, like if there's any specific tools or technologies or frameworks that we have or haven't talked about yet that you're like really excited about right now or that you kind of have on your radar of like, oh, I want to dive into that and learn about that over the next couple months or just anything that like you think is going to make an impact in some way. Um, it helps. I know it helps me and other people listening to be like, oh, okay. I heard someone mention that. So maybe that's something like I should check out too. Cause there's just so much happening. <laughs> there really is. I'll say for me, the one thing that I'm staying really close to is Kotlin multi-platform okay. um, for a few years. It's been um, like in beta, they rebranded themselves. We're using Kotlin multi-platform at Meetup, but we're only using it for Android and iOS applications. And it's capable of doing web apps as well. And so that's something I'm very interested to see if the tech community at large starts to embrace coding for their web, iOS, and Android apps okay. uh, together. Yeah. So that's that's one thing I'm, I'm looking into as well as um, Compose for web. So that's a technology that you can use on your Android applications, mm -hmm. but then being able to use the same thing to create the user interface of your web applications 
that's very interesting to me. And I feel that as more businesses, like I said, they're tightening the belt. And I do think there's going to come a point where they ask themselves, hmm, I want this one feature, but I have 10 Android people and 10 iOS people and 10 web people, and they're all building the same thing that looks pretty much the exact same, <laughs> yeah. but it's just because it's for different things. Like, hmm, there must be something I can do here. Right. Uh, and so these technologies, it's, it's very fascinating. Um, from that, from that perspective. Okay. Yeah. I love that though. And those are, um, a couple that I haven't heard anyone bring up in a, in a little while. So I like, I like having, um, some more unique responses. I mean, a lot of people will say, I know it's cliche, but like these AI technologies or whatever it might be, cause that's, you know, some of the things everyone's talking about, but I like the sort of practical looking at what tools are going to make my life and my team's life easier and more streamlined and more productive as we move forward. And, and I mean, that's the whole goal of pretty much all technology, isn't it? Is making things easier. Yeah. So, um, those are great ones to add to the list. Awesome. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed, um, speaking with you. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know, as we mentioned, you have a, a lot going on, so I appreciate it. And I'll be sure to put different ways to find you in the, in the show notes for, in case folks want to connect um, or see some of your talks and things like that. But um, yeah, I look forward to keeping in touch. Absolutely. It was nice chatting. Take care. Thanks for listening to Select Star, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.